Section 5 of A Selection from the Poetry of Saadi Shirazi Edited by Nathan Haskell Dole and Bell Walker This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Selections from Bustan or The Garden of Perfume The Moth and the Flame One night, I do remember, when mine eyes closed not, I heard a talking in this wise, Moth said to Lamp Flame, Ah, my well-beloved, I am a lover. This is no surprise if I do weep and burn. But thou, but thou, why do I see thee weeping, burning now? The Lamp replied, Shirin Iman, soft lover, the honey of my life melts from my brow. It said, O oh, tearful lover, cease to sigh, passion's worst pangs thou knowest not as I. Leave claiming, leave lamenting, or come boldly, nor power, nor patience of love's mystery hast thou, who fliest from my naked fire, desiring, yet afraid of thy desire. Hither and thither dost thou flutter, fearful, but I consume, exhale, glow, and expire. If flame of love thy silver feathers scorch, Look upon me, who am love's kindled torch. Think on the blaze and torrent of my burning, Forget my splendour, lightning court and porch. There lingered some little of the night, When one of party face put out that light. The smoke rose like a parting soul. It whispered, Look, lover, now indeed love endeth right. This is the road, Ra in ast, learn of me. Dying, thou gainest love's best ecstasy. Make over lover slain no lamentation. Cry, Shukur! Thanks, he is accepted, he. Oh, if thou beest true lover, Wash not hand from that dear stain of love. From worldly brand of wealth and self-love wash it. At the last those win, who, spite of fortune's tempest, Stand glad to wreck all for love. I say to thee, I, Sadi, launch not on that boundless sea, but if thou puttest forth, hoist sail, quit anchor, to storm and wave trust thyself hardily. Story of the Pearl From a cloud there descended a droplet of rain, t'was ashamed when it saw the expanse of the main, saying, Who may I be where the sea has its run? If the sea has existence, I truly have none. Since in its own eyes the drop humble appeared, In its bosom a shell with its life the drop reared. The sky brought the work with success to a close, And the famed royal pearl from the raindrop arose. Because it was humble, it excellence gained, Patiently waiting till success was obtained. The Death of Sadi's Son at Sana, a young child of mine, melted away. Of all that occurred to me, what shall I say? A Joseph-like picture the fates never gave, But was, Jonah-like, gulped by the fish of the grave. In this garden a cypress ne'er reached any height, But the tempest of fate pulled its roots from their sight. No wonder that roses will blow on the ground, When beneath it so many rose-bodies sleep sound. To my heart I said, Die, thou disgrace to mankind. 
the child goes off pure the old man vile in mind out of love and distress for his stature alone from his tomb i extracted a panel of stone on account of my dread in that dark narrow place my disconsolate state changed the hue of my face when i came to myself from that horrible fear from my darling loved child this arrived at my ear if this region of darkness produced in you fright take care when you enter to carry a light if you wish that the night of the tomb should appear bright as day light the lamp of your actions while here shakes the husbandman's body from fever and care peradventure the palms should not luscious dates bear some covetous men the opinion maintain that without sowing wheat they'll a harvest obtain he who planted the root sardi on the fruit feeds he will gather the harvest who scattered the seeds patience and contentment in a generous man's spirit perfection is bred if no money he owns what's the harm or the dread were a miser with creases in riches to range do not think that his miserly spirit would change if a liberal person obtains not his bread his spirit is rich just as if he were fed the giving's the ground and the means the sown field bestow that the root fertile branches may yield i would wonder where god who makes man out of clay to make his humanity vanish away in holding up wealth do not strive to excel for water when stagnant emits a bad smell in munificence labour for water that flows by the favour of heaven to a mighty flood grows if a miser should fall from his wealth and estate very rarely again will his riches be great if you are a jewel of worth do not fret for time will not cause your existence to set a clod may be lying exposed on the way yet i do not see any one heed to it pay if a clipping of gold should escape from the shears with a candle they search for it till it appears from the heart of a stone they can crystal obtain where under the rust does a mirror remain the manners must please and exhibit much grace for coming and going are fortune and place the sufi and the slanderer said a man to a sufi with sanctity blessed you know not what some one behind you expressed he said silence o brother and sleep it away it is best not to know what your enemies say those people who carry the words of a foe than enemies truly more enmity show the remarks of a foe to a friend no one bears excepting the man who his enmity shares a foe cannot speak with such hardiness to me that from hearing my body should shivering be you are worse than a foe with your lips you unfold the same that your foe to you privately told a tale-bearer gives to old war a fresh life and urges a good gentle person to strife fly away from that comrade while strength in you lies who says unto sleeping sedition arise a man in a pit with his feet firmly bound is better than spreading disturbance around between two an encounter resembles a fire and the ill-omened tell-tales the fuel supplier sympathy for orphans a shade o'er the head of the orphan boy put 
Disperse all his sighs, and his sorrows uproot. You know not why he has this helplessness seen. Does a tree without root ever show itself green? When you see the sad head of an orphan bent low, On the face of your son do not kisses bestow. If an orphan should weep, who will purchase relief? And should he be vexed, who will share in his grief? Take care, lest he weeps, for the great throne on high will tremble and shake, should an orphan child cry. By kindness the tears from his pure eyes displace, by compassion disperse all the dust from his face. If his own sheltering shadow has gone from his head, take him under your own fostering shadow instead. I at that time the head of a monarch possessed, when I let it recline on my own father's breast. If a fly on my body made bold to alight, the hearts of a number were grieved at the sight. If now to a dungeon they captive me bear, not one of my friends to assist me would care. The sufferings of poor orphan children I know. In my childhood my father to God had to go. Dealing with Enemies Until your diplomacy terminates right, it is better to flatter your foe than to fight. When, by force, you are unable to vanquish your foes, by favours the portal of strife you must close. If you fear lest you be by an enemy stung, with the charm of munificence tie up his tongue. Give your enemy money, not thorns from a hedge, for munificence blunts all the teeth that have edge. By skill you can coax and enjoy earthly bliss, the hand you can't bite, it is proper to kiss. By management, Rustem will come to the noose, from whose coil Asfanyar could not cast himself loose. You can find the occasion your foe's skin to rend. Take care of him, then, as you would of a friend. Be cautious in fighting with one you despise. From a drop I have oft seen a torrent arise. While you can, let not knots on your eyebrows be seen. An opponent is best as a friend, although mean. His foe shows delight, and his friend shows distress, whose friends are, in count, than his enemies less. With an army exceeding your own, do not fight, for you can't with your finger a lancet's point smite. And should you be stronger in war than your foe, to the weak tis unmanly oppression to show. Though you've lion-like hands and an elephant's force, Peace is better than war, as a matter of course. When the hand has by every deception been torn, the hand to the sword may be lawfully borne. Should your foe wish for peace, his request do not spurn. And should he seek battle, the reins do not turn. For should he resolve to resist in the field, the strength and the awe of a thousand you'll wield. If his foot he has placed in the stirrup of war, you won't be arraigned at the great judgment bar. Be prepared to, for war, should sedition awake, for kindness to blackguards is quite a mistake. If you talk in an affable way to a wretch, his presumption and arrogance higher will stretch. When your enemy, vanquished, approaches your gate, cast revenge from your heart and cast ire from your pate. You should kindness bestow when he asks for your care. Be gracious and of his deceptions beware. From an aged man's counselling turn not away, for he knows his work well who has lived to be grey. And should they remove from its sight the stronghold, 
the youth with the sword and with wisdom the old in the thick of the fight bear a refuge in mind what know you which side will the victory find when you see that your army has lost in the strife alone do not cast to the wind your sweet life should your place be the border make running your care and if in the middle the foe's raiment wear if you number two thousand two hundred your foe when night has arrived from his climb you should go at night fifty horsemen from lying in wait like five hundred a noise on the ground will create when you wish to accomplish some marches by night first look for the ambushes hidden from sight when one of two armies has marched for a day the strength from his hands will have dwindled away at your leisure the army exhausted attack for the fool has himself placed a load on his back when you've vanquished your foe do not lower your flag lest again he should gather his forces and brag in pursuit of the fugitives go not too far for you should not lose sight of your comrades in war when the air from war's dust like a cloud to you shows around you with spears and with swords they will close from searching for plunder the soldier refrains who alone at the back of the monarch remains to an army the duty of guarding the king is better than fight in the battlefield's ring of saadi's journey to hindustan and the depravity of idolatry an ivory idol i saw at somnut begemmed as in paganish times was monat so well had the sculptor its features designed that an image more perfect no mortal could find caravans from each district were moving along to look at that spiritless image they throng kings of china and chigil like sadi forsooth from that hard-hearted idol were longing for truth men of eloquence gathered from every place were beseeching in front of that dumb idol's face i was helpless to clear up the circumstance how the animate would to the inanimate bow to a pagan with whom i had something to do a companion well spoken a chum of mine too i remarked in a whisper oh brahmin so wise at the scenes in this place they experienced surprise about this helpless form they are crazed in their mind and in error's deep pit are as captives confined its hands have no strength and its feet have no pace and if thrown on the ground twould not rise from its place don't you see that its eyes are but amber let in to seek for good faith in the blind is a sin that friend my speech to an enemy turned he seized me and fire-like from anger he burned he told all the pagans and temple old men i saw not my welfare in that meeting then since the crooked road seemed unto them to be right the straight road very crooked appeared in their sight for although a good man may be pious and wise he's an ignorant fool in the ignorance eyes i was helpless to aid as a man being drowned except in abasement no method i found when you see that a fool has malevolence shown resignation and meekness give safety alone the chief of the brahmins i praised to the skies of the zend and asta oh expounder most wise with his idol's appearance i'm satisfied too for the face and the features are charming to view its figure appears very choice in my sight but regarding the truth i am ignorant quite 
I am here as a traveller a very short while, and a stranger knows seldom the good from the vile. You're the queen of the chessboard, and therefore aware, and the monarch's adviser of this temple fair. To worship by mimicking, doubtless, is wrong. Oh, happy the pilgrim whose knowledge is strong! What truths in the figure of this idol lie? For the chief of its worshippers truly am I. The face of the old Brahmin glowed with delight. He was pleased, and said, O thou, whose statements are right, Your question is proper, your action is wise, Whoever seeks truth will to happiness rise. Like yourself, too, on many a journey I've been, And idols not knowing themselves I have seen, Save this, which each morning, just where it now stands, To the great God of justice upraises its hands, and if you are willing, remain the night here, and tomorrow the secret to you will be clear. At the chief Brahmin's bidding I tarried all night, in the well of misfortune, like Bits Hun's my plight. The night seemed as long as the last judgment day, the pagans, unwashed, round me feigning to pray. The priests very carefully water did shun, the armpits like carrion exposed in the sun, Perhaps a great sin I had done long before, That I on that night so much punishment bore. All the night I was racked in this prison of grief, With one hand on my heart, one in prayer for relief. When the drummer, with suddenness, beat his loud drum, And the cock crowed the fate of the Brahmin to come. Unresisted, the black-coated preacher, The knight drew forth from his scabbard the sword of daylight. On this tinder the morning fire happened to fall, and the world in a moment was brilliant to all. You'd have said that all over the country of Zang, from a corner the Tartars had suddenly sprung. The pagans, depraved, with unpurified face, came from door, street and plain to the worshipping place. The city and lanes were of people bereft. In the temple no room for a needle was left. I was troubled from rage and from sleeplessness dazed when the idol its hands upward suddenly raised. All at once, from the people, there rose such a shout you'd have said that the sea in a rage had boiled out. When the temple became from the multitude free, the Brahmin, all smiles, gazed intently at me. I'm sure that your scruples have vanished, he said. Truth has made itself manifest. Falsehood has fled. When I saw he was slave to an ignorant whim, and that fancies absurd were established in him, respecting the truth I no more could reveal, for from scoffers tis proper the truth to conceal. When you find yourself under a tyrant's command, it would scarcely be manly to break your own hand. I wept for a time that he might be deceived, and said, At the statement I made, I am grieved. At my weeping the pagan's heart's merciful proved. Is it strange that a stone by the torrent is moved? In attendance they ran to me very much pleased, and in doing me honour my hands they all seized. Asking pardon, I went to the image of bone, in a chair made of gold on a teak timber throne. A kiss to the hand of the idol I gave, saying, Curse it and every idolatrous slave! A pagan I was for a while, in a name, In discussing that Zend I a Brahmin became. When myself, 
one of trust in the temple I found, I could scarcely from joy keep myself on the ground. I fastened the door of the temple one night, and, scorpion-like, ran to the left and the right. All under and over the throne I then pried, and a curtain embroidered with gold I espied. A fire-temple prelate in rear of the screen, with the end of a rope in his hands, could be seen. The state of affairs I at once saw aright, like David when steel grew like wax in his sight. For, of course, he has only the rope to depress, when the idol upraises its hands for redress. Ashamed was the Brahmin at seeing my face, for to have any secret exposed's a disgrace. He bolted, and I in pursuit of him fell, and speedily tumbled him into a well, for I knew that the Brahmin, escaping alive, to compass my death would incessantly strive, and where I dispatched he would happiness feel, lest, living, I might his base secret reveal. When you know of the business a villain has planned, put it out of his power when he falls to your hand. For if to that blackguard reprieve you should give, he will not desire that you longer should live. When at service he places his head at your gate, if he can, he will surely your head amputate. Your feet, in the track of a cheat, do not place. If you do and discover him, show him no grace. I dispatch the impostor with stones, without dread, for tales are not told by a man when he's dead. When I found that I caused a disturbance to spread, I abandoned that country and hastily fled. If a fire in a cane-brake you cause to rise, look out for the tigers therein, if you're wise. The young of a man-biting snake do not slay. If you do, in the same dwelling-place do not stay. When you've managed a hive full of bees to excite, run away from the spot, or you'll suffer their spite. At one sharper than you, don't an arrow dispatch. When you've done it, your skirt and your teeth you should catch. No better advice Sardi's pages contain. When a wall's undermined, do not near it remain. I travelled to Sindh after that judgment day. By Yemen and Mecca I thence took my way. From the whole of the bitterness, fate made me meet. My mouth till today has not shown itself sweet. By the aiding of Bubak Asad's fortune fair, whose like not a mother has borne, nor will bear. From the sky's cruel hardness, for justice I sought. In this shadow diffuser, a refuge I got. Like a slave for the empire I fervently pray, O God, cause this shadow for ever to stay. He applied not the salve to my wounds need alone, but becoming the bounty and favour his own. Meet thanks for his favours, when could I repeat? even if in his service my head changed to feet. When these miseries passed, I experienced joy, yet some of the subjects my conscience annoy. One is, when the hand of petition and praise to the shrine of the knower of secrets I raise, the thoughts of that puppet of China arise, and cover with dust my self-valuing eyes. I know that the hand I stretched forth to the shrine was not lifted by any exertion of mine. Men of sanctity do not their hands upward bring, but the powers unseen pull the end of the string. Opes the doors of devotion and well-doing still, every man has not power a good work to fulfil. This same is a bar, 
for a court to repair is improper except the king's order you bear no man can the great key of destiny own for absolute power is the makers alone hence o travelling man on the straight path divine the favour is god the creator's not thine since unseen he created your mind pure and wise from your nature no action depraved can arise the same who has poison produced in the snake the sweetness produced by the bee too did make when he wished to change to a desert your land he first makes the people distressed at your hand and should his compassion upon you descend to the people through you he will comfort extend that you walk the right road do not boast i advise for the fates took your hand and you managed to rise by these words you will benefit if you attend you will reach pious men if their pathway you end you will get a good place if the fates are your guide on the table of honour rich fare they'll provide and yet tis not right that you eat all alone for the poor helpless dervish some thought should be shown End of Selections from Bustan or the Garden of Perfume End of a Selection from the Poetry of Saadi Shirazi Edited by Nathan Haskell Dole and Bell Walker Recording by Algie Pug